Welcome to the Patrick Real Estate Show, where we explore the fascinating world of real estate investing with your host, Patrick Switek. Patrick is a dynamic young entrepreneur and an accomplished real estate investor who's passionate about helping others achieve financial freedom. Each week, we sit down with some of the most inspiring individuals in the real estate industry and delve into their personal journeys, lessons learned, and secrets to their success. Let's dive into this week's episode. Avery Carl, welcome to the Patrick Real Estate Show. I'm super excited to have you. The people that don't know Avery, Avery is one of the biggest short-term rental agents in the US probably. And she's with Short-Term Shop. She has her own podcast as well. And she is a big influencer in the community, speaks at a bunch of events. If you don't know her, I don't know if you live under a rock or what you're doing because (laughs) she's a rock star. She's everywhere. And her story is super inspiring. We're definitely going to d- dive a little bit more into that. And we're going to dive into just a lot of different things about short-term rental investing, how to build long-term wealth with short-term rentals and where to buy, what to buy, that kind of thing, like how to do all that kind of stuff. Just pretty much go over everything. But one honorable thing that I want to say about Avery is Avery is actually my first agent for when I bought my first property with the short-term shop. And it's been an amazing experience. It actually got me my confidence to be able to get to where I'm at now. And I just can't thank her enough for that. And just really excited to talk shop with Avery. So Avery, welcome. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. So let's start with your story. Give me, give me a little bit of rundown on where you began with short-term rentals. Yeah, yeah. I, My husband, Luke, and I had moved from New York to Nashville, and we I wasn't licensed yet. I was getting my master's, and we had a real estate agent who was really trying to get us to buy in East Nashville, which is super hip, fast appreciating, or was fast appreciating at the time. We didn't know the last two years was around the corner. Now that's real appreciation, but- yeah. She was really trying to get us to buy over there. And we were like, no, we are moving from Brooklyn to Tennessee. We're tired of neighbors. Let's buy something out in the country. So we did buy something out in the country. And then we had a little money left and we thought we have this little bit of money left. Maybe there's something to that appreciation thing. And maybe if we bought one of those houses and rented it out so that we weren't having to pay the mortgage or anything on it, then in 20, 25 years, when our future kids need to go to college, we can just sell that house and pay for their college out of that appreciation. And we won't have to pay for it out of our pocket. We were like super Dave Ramsey heads at the time. And I was like, man, we're geniuses. Nobody's ever done this before. This is so smart. <laughs> and so we bought something in that neighborhood and it ended up being a really great deal. We, it was a long-term rental. It cash flowed a little less than a thousand bucks over the mortgage every month. The mortgage was about $647 a month. And That was about what my take-home pay was after all the deductions at my corporate job. So when we got that first check, we were like, man, we just doubled what my income was by buying this house. And we're not really even having to do anything. Can I ask, Avery, what was your first job? I don't know if I know this. Yeah, so I was a marketing manager in the music business in Nashville. So I worked for a publishing company, yep. Very nice. Is that how you and Luke met? No, Luke and I met. So before I went back to get my master's, I'll I'll back all the way up to undergrad. So I went to undergrad at University of Texas and graduated in 2009, which is like the worst time in the history of the world to ever graduate college. So there were no jobs. And I'd been in a 
all girl punk rock band for a few years. We toured in between semesters a lot. And over the summer, I just started picking up more gigs, playing guitar and bass and just bartending to supplement that. And by supplement that fund that all together because it paid nothing and there were no jobs. So I said, we're, we'll just do this for a little while, have some fun. And when the jobs come back around, then we'll worry about getting, finding a quote career. So I did that for a few years. I lived in LA. I had a gig that took me to New York to get a gig playing bass with a guy named Ivan Julian. And for anyone who is, you'd have to be pretty deep into classic punk, but he was the original guitar player for Richard Hell and the Voidoids and who were like one of the original like New York punk bands in the seventies. And so I was playing in his solo band. Anyway, Luke and I met at a dirty ass bar called St. Vitus in Brooklyn. We were seeing a show by a band called Faster Pussycat, which was an 80s like sleaze band. They had a couple hits, like nothing major. And <laughs> you'd have to be really into that kind of music to <laughs> know there. But anyway, we met at a dirty bar at a sleazy rock show. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so, really romantic. Yeah. It kind of, you know us, it is, but yeah, yeah. You guys are very nonchalant. So I think that kind of fits your vibe. I had a yeah. feeling you'd be like on tour or something like that, but yeah, this kind of definitely takes the cake. So that's cool. And Luke is, how did you guys take this on as husband? You guys were married at the time, correct? We got married when we get married, 2014. So yeah, by the time we bought our first rental, we were married. Okay, cool. So how did you guys both jump into it together? Was this kind of your initiative and then you convinced them to come on board or how did that work? So we both, a lot of people ask this and they're looking for some kind of advice on how to get your spouse on board with real estate investing, <laughs> but we were always on the same page about it. So we have this phrase that we say to each other all the time. We'll be like, okay, I have a crazy idea. And usually it's some business idea or investing idea. It's not, oh yeah, let's go get ice cream right now. It's always, <laughs> let's buy this. And hey, so kind that's of, a write-off. <laughs> yeah. That's so a write-off. I started like that. And when we were riding around with that real estate agent, so we would follow her on the motorcycle. She would drive her car and we would follow her in on Luke's bike. And we just, were just talking about it one day when we were looking at the ones in East Nashville and looked at something that we eventually bought out in the country in White House, Tennessee. And we were like, man, what if we bought one of these too? Like we have a little extra money. And what if we just rented it out? And we were both, we had gotten into personal finance and like reading all the Dave Ramsey books at the time. So we were definitely in that headspace already of trying to save money so that we could do something with it. I don't know what, I guess, save ourselves into being rich, which everybody knows that doesn't work. And so we were like, what if we did that? Yeah, this is a good idea. It just went like that. So unfortunately, I don't have any advice on how to get your spouse on board because he and I have always been on the same page about it. So I think the real takeaway there is that you guys had the same goals and same aligned vision. And you guys probably talked about it a little bit. You guys both had, I'm assuming because I know both of you guys a little bit that you guys love the freedom. You guys don't like the constraints of corporate or the constraints mm. of W2 or whatever. And you were trying to buy this because you guys had the same idea, ideals, same values. And it just happened that you guys were on the same path for doing this kind of thing. There are some people that get married that don't have the same goals in life per se, and they're on their own path. But you have to somehow figure out how to create that 
same aligned goal, if that makes sense. But I feel like you just had it easy because Luke was just on board and Mm -hmm. you were on board. So that's cool. And okay, so you guys partnered up, you guys got all these rentals. Where do short-term rentals come into play? Why short-term rentals? Okay, so that kind of happened very much the same way that the first one did. We actually got into a really terrible car accident. Neither of us were hurt. And we got quite a bit of insurance money, not quite a bit. We got about 10,000 bucks worth of insurance money. So I was driving as in Texas, I was driving and a guy was pulling a barbecue food truck behind his truck. And then behind that was the smoker on a separate trailer. You can pull two trailers in Texas. It's allowed. And it came off. He didn't use safety chains. It came off and hit us head on. Luke was asleep. (laughs) But so anyway, we had some insurance money from that. And we said, what do we do with this to make sure that we're doing the right thing with this money that's just been given to us? Cause we didn't, uh, we're like, what insurance money? So we're like, how do we not waste this? And so we had a little bit of savings left on top of that. And we said, well, we just bought this long-term rental and we know we want to build a business out of this. So what can we buy that's going to make us the most amount of money the fastest? And somewhere along those lines too, after we bought the long-term, we started actually educating ourselves on real estate investing. We didn't even know it was called real estate investing when we bought the first one. And I started listening to all the Bigger Pockets podcasts and reading every book we could about real estate and entrepreneurship. And so we knew we wanted to buy a bunch of properties but we didn't know how to get the money to buy enough prop- to buy a bunch of properties. So we said, what can we buy with this next down payment that's going to make us the most amount of money, the fastest, so that we can then go buy more of them? And we landed on short-term rentals, but we didn't want to do it in Nashville because they are constantly changing the rules and we could not afford to buy a house and then be told a year or two down the road that we couldn't use it for that. So we said, okay, Nashville's out. And we'd just been on vacation to the Smoky Mountains. We stayed in a cabin. We went there everybody else was staying in cabins. And we said, somebody owns these cabins. Why can't it be us? And at the time there was no content. There were no Facebook groups about managing remotely. And we backed into it because we started down the path of, we thought we would get a property manager. We started down the path of buying something, talked to a few property managers. Turns out the standard split at the time in the Smokies was 40% of your gross. And we were like, wait a minute. We can't afford that. We need this money to go buy more. So we figured out how to manage it remotely. We're like, how hard can it be? Like we're putting it on Airbnb and we just need a cleaner. And like you say remotely, was it remote? Were you guys not in the area? No, no. You guys weren't. Wow. No, three hours away, four hours away. And so we would go over there on the weekends and look at properties. And finally we found one and we just figured out how to manage it remotely. And it worked. And then we, the money started coming in and we just took every dollar that we've ever made on real estate and rolled that back into buying more real estate. And five and a half years later, we're at about 250 doors. Wow. 250 doors. What is that? How many of those doors are short-term rentals? How many are long-term rentals? I know you're a big proponent of making sure you diversify. Cares about that. Yeah. So eight of those are short terms. So a lot of people think they're going to really get me with that next question of they make so much money. Then why do you have long terms? Because Mm -hmm. you need to have a little bit of everything and you don't need a thousand short-term rentals to do really well income wise. So we have eight short terms. Those make enough cash flow to fund everything else that we make. And then of course, everything else that we make or everything else that we buy, that cash flow gets rolled in. So we've got the eight short terms. We have about seven apartment buildings ranging from like 10 to 
50 units. And then the rest are single family and duplex long terms. Nice. Okay, cool. So you have a diverse set of properties and that goes to show you're known as the STR queen. (laughs) So the fact that you have long-term rentals and you're an STR queen shows that you could be a proponent for short-term rentals and it's a great vehicle, but at the same time, don't forego the fact of investing in long-term rentals. Am I correct? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Cool. So awesome. So you've done this whole journey, right? What can you tell me about buying your first short-term rental? I think that's honestly, when I look at you, Avery, I think of you as the person that really understands how to help people get their first short-term rental. I think that you've mastered that. You've helped just a little bit of background in the short-term shop. You've helped so many people in a unique way where they were looking to buy their first short-term rental, a lot of it during COVID before that. And you've actually helped people self-manage the properties themselves through a course at the time. I don't know how you guys do it now. And that was how people become a little more comfortable with the idea of short-term rental investing. On top of that, you also provided support on which properties to buy in which areas. So you have agents that specialize in those areas, wherever those areas that you guys have open. So it it, it makes it so you guys are only focused on short-term rentals. You guys educate on how to self-manage and you guys make people feel comfortable to do it out of state. Because most of the people that, from my understanding, most of the people that invest with you, 90% plus are out-of-state investors in the Smoky mm-hmm. Mountains, right? Yeah. That's That's a big thing. But Going back to the question, how do I get that first short-term rental? Let's talk about that first short-term rental. And I want to dive even deeper and talk about buying out of state and buying remotely. But I'm just curious, what is the steps to getting your first short-term rental and where to look? Yeah, yeah. So we can't all live in the best place to invest for short-term rentals. So you're going to, in most cases, have to go out of state. And it really is just a mindset shift, whether it's for your first one or your 10th one. I always tell people if something breaks, like a toilet breaks in my house in Tennessee, I live in Florida. I'm going to do the same thing as if a toilet breaks in my office right behind me, I'm going to call somebody because I don't know how to fix toilets. So if the house was right next door to me, there is one right upstairs from me actually. And when the toilet breaks up there, I'm not going up there to fix it because I don't do that. So it's really just your, the task is the same, making a phone call. It's just the property is in a different area. So why are people so scared then? Why are people so scared of investing? Is it rational at all? Yeah, of course it's rational. It's a lot of money and it's scary. A a lot of times it's people's entire life savings. And that's a scary thing to put all of that into a short-term rental. Like I've been there and I did it and it was terrifying, especially the time period between the day we closed and the money was out of the bank account and the day we got our first booking. That's really scary. Like Luke and I sat up until four o'clock every morning, wondering if we had just ruined our lives. I definitely remember how that feels and always try to understand that's how clients are feeling a lot of times. It can be really nerve wracking that you aren't able to, when you've already put all this money down into something that you're not able to just go drive by and check on it all the time. It's definitely a rational fear, but it's something that you're going to have to get over if you want to have any success in real estate investing, because you're probably not, some people can and do, but you're probably not going to have all of your investments right next door to you. You have to cut that cord at some point. Like I have three within a 30 minute drive of me, but 
before we moved here from Nashville, we didn't have any within a 30 minute drive of us. All of our investments are in other places. So three of 250 are something I can even drive by. You just have to get comfortable and, and really just think of it as, okay, I'm doing the same task, but it's just a different location. For sure. And what other mistakes do you see with first time short-term rental investors? Comparing themselves to other people right now, because there's a lot of content, like there's a thousand influencers doing short-term rentals right now. And there's a lot of them that they get a lot of content out of doing something really crazy, like a glamping village or a treehouse village or all these things. And I think that new investors will look at that and think, oh, I have to do that to be successful. And I don't have the resources or I don't have the money or I don't have X, Y, or Z. So I can't do that. So I'm not going to do anything when really the same thing that's worked for decades still works. And all you have to do is buy a house and rent it. Now there's some other things that go into it, but it's a basic premise, buying a house, cute, clean, comfortable place to stay, make sure it's decorated. Well, you've optimized your listing and all that. And that still works. So just because there's a lot of content creators out there creating content, that's their job, by the way, it's a job. It's not like being an influencer is not documenting your life. It's a fucking job. Let's be real. Everybody that's influencing is sitting there thinking, what content can I put out? What can I record next? So keep in mind that when you're watching things like this on YouTube or reels on Instagram or whatever, they sat there and said, what can I do to get the most content out of this? They didn't say, oh yeah, I'm so great at investing. Let me just document this. So anyway, coming from an influencer, influencing <laughs> is bullshit. Don't compare yourself to other yeah. people. Run your race, like just buy the houses and rent them. Just run your numbers and you're going to be in good shape. Yeah. And I think a lot of influencers, since we're on that topic, <laughs> there's a lot of influencers that myself included, I guess you can call me an influencer. I don't even know <laughs> at this point. but just, I think it's, it's, you only share the best of the best. Right. And I think mm -hmm. that's another thing that I appreciate the fact that you noticed the, that it's not all sunshine and rainbows, right? Things are going to go wrong. Things are not going to go the right way. And it's, yeah, you made hundred thousand dollars gross. Okay, great. In this month, but maybe that was the highest month of the year. And gross doesn't mean net. And maybe that those were your client properties. Sometimes I'll put up like I made for my business, I know we made like $200,000 gross a month. And I know that is not what I'm taking home in my pocket. Otherwise, it'd be a whole different story. But it's just perception, right? And it can get people totally. thinking, wow, if I'm not doing what Patrick's doing, or what Avery's doing, then I'm not good enough to do this. And it's, I tell people this, uh, and Avery, you can probably, you can you probably agree. Some people just need one or two, three short term rentals that cash flow really well, that support your lifestyle. And that's it. Some people want to go haywire and get a lot more, but most people just depending on what you want in your life, but some people just really just want time freedom or the like. Mm -hmm. So yeah, totally yeah. agree with that freedom of time for sure. hundred percent. Okay. So you did this whole thing. We're talking about the bad of short-term rental investing. Can we, let's first, let's do this, let's do the positives, right? But first let's go through like the bad stuff. What are some of the things happen that you want people not only to avoid with comparison, but more, Hey, things that go wrong and think, and how to really combat that. 
So this is definitely something that is going to interrupt your dinner at some point. A guest is going to need something while you're at the movies with your kids or you're eating dinner or it's going to be at a really inconvenient time. It's going to happen. That's part of it. There's you make a lot of money doing this, but you I think a lot of people think that they can just throw their phone in the trash and lay on the couch for the rest of their life while their short-term rentals make money. And that's not the case, even if you have a property manager. So keep that in mind. You're going to have to deal with things. And it's a trade-off of, okay, I'm not having to sit in a desk for these eight to nine hours a day. I can do what I want, but there are going to be times that I'm going to be interrupted and have to answer a question or handle something that's broken. I have an example of that, Avery. Like where you were at like dinner during Christmas or something and it, you got interrupted when you were in, with your family. Yeah, all the time. So <laughs> it'll happen like once a week and it's not always like a big, huge where it, it's my daughter's birthday party or something like that. It's just a general like it's 530 and we're trying to sit down to dinner as a family and a guest can't figure out something. And so we have to deal with it. It's not, I had one time Julie on my team. We, cause we have a big group text that's been going on for years. And at 9 PM on Christmas Eve, the guest messaged and was like, your pots and pans are a little scratched. Can you bring me some new ones? Oh my and God. Julie was like, I don't, I'm in Florida at my parents' house. This is in Tennessee. No, I can't do that. Yes. <sighs> just like any customer facing business. 90% of people are going to come in. They're going to get what they want. They're going to stay there. They're going to have a great time. They're going to leave. No problem. But 10% of them are going to be Karens. And there's a fair amount of dealing with that, but it's just part of the game. Yeah. And honestly, I think building the systems around how to respond and how to do things, especially because now I'm thinking about, I have VAs under me, right? So I'm thinking about how can I position them in the best way so that they would make decision like I would make a decision. Right. And then that kind of leads me into thinking like about how I systemize things, but everything's a system in my head, even like how I deal with a guest for a refund, how I deal with a guest when they're trying to extort me for money. There's all these different situations that happen over time as a short-term rental investor, where you don't have to waste that much energy thinking about it. You just do it. You're just like, oh yeah, like I don't, I'm not going to hold to this. Right. Here's an example is I know Luke talks about this is cameras don't look at the cameras i know you talk about it as well that's like a beginner rookie mistake like the number one rookie mistake would you say yes yes and we tell people that all the time not to look at their cameras and then sometimes they'll argue with us and be like it's my investment i have to look and you do i get it you have to pay attention to your investment but if you're watching your cameras all day there's a lot of stuff that is going to go on there that if you had not known about would not have hurt you period. Like they brought one extra person, that one extra person that you want to call and yell at them about is probably not going to single-handedly burn the house down. The big one that I see, especially with Smokey's owners is when uh, guys pee off the front porch that drives people nuts. <laughs> and I'm like, but that did not damage anything. It's not something that you would have known had, and it hurt nothing. So they're going to be doing stuff like that. They're probably drinking. So they're probably doing a lot of things, but being off a front porch is, a, I see that fairly often in our Facebook group. Um, yeah. And, and also don't use the hot tubs after guests. Yeah. I think that's, a, oh, I don't <laughs> that's use hot tubs period after, yeah. after owning several for years and guests and stuff. I don't do hot tubs. You will not catch me in a hot tub. Yeah, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you can imagine, the kind of stuff that you could find there. But yeah, cool. 
that's all the negative stuff. Now let's talk about the positives. What is short-term okay. rental investing versus long-term rental versus everything else? Like why short-term rentals? What's really the benefit there? What kind of, what psychological and financial benefits do you get through short-term rental investing? I know there's going to be headaches. Yeah. The cash flow is important. I never lived off of my cash flow and still don't. I'm still in what I would consider growth mode in terms of investing. But so you definitely have the cash flow and you know it's there if you were to need it. The ability to have that freedom of time so you can not have to go sit in an office for nine hours a day so that you can buy more properties and then have more freedom of time. And then there's also like in I don't really like to talk about this because I don't want people banking off this, but the appreciation factor of don't ever invest for appreciation, only invest based on cash flow, but appreciation is a nice extra. So that's helping to build wealth in the background. Again, you don't want to buy something just for appreciation and then it's not cash flowing. That's not doing you any favors. A lot of tax benefits, but again, don't buy a short-term rental just so that you can do a cost segregation and get a big break on your taxes because you can only do that one time. And then once that's done, you're left with a property that doesn't make money. And then what are you going to do? So you have to make sure that it has cash flow first, but I mean, there's any number of, I don't know if it has any psychological benefits, but there's definitely a lot of, <laughs> um, all negatives. A, a lot <laughs> Psychological. Of, uh, yeah. I mean, it does. It teaches you a lot about people. So I, I bartended for a long time because I graduated at the worst time ever. And it it's so like bartending, running a short-term rental. You have a bunch of people you don't know coming in and using something of yours and drinking your drinks and then leaving. And you learn how to deal with all different types of people. And I apply more knowledge from bartending in New York city for years to running short-term rentals than I do my MBA because wow. it's just dealing with personalities and you're going to get assholes in your bar. You're going to get assholes in your short-term rental. You're going to get wonderful people in your bar. You're going to get wonderful people in your short-term rental, but you have, you have to deal with them all accordingly. You have to communicate with each of those people in a different way. So it's very much like working in the service industry, but for a lot more money and not on your feet all day. Yeah. So I actually just released a video speaking of the influencing side in regards to how real estate investors are some of the worst short-term rental investors. Now that's not all inclusive of everybody, but my point was just because you're not a real estate investor doesn't mean that you won't do well in short-term rentals. As you said, your background was, you had a lot more, you have your MBA and all that, but, but the service industry was what really helped you the most. And yeah. so that goes to show, can somebody that's in healthcare or the service industry or whatever save enough money to get into short-term rental investing? Is that possible? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And people who deal with patients all day, same thing. It's you're dealing with a lot of different personalities and it's the same exact thing. Personality, personality. And dealing with people, it can be fatiguing dealing with, even if I used to be on the phone, probably 12 hours a day before I started the wow. team and I started getting really busy. And even if every single, so I did 30 minute calls. So even if all 24 of the people that I talked to that day were absolutely lovely and wonderful at the end of it, I was totally worn out and couldn't talk, couldn't think because just interacting with people, it takes a little energy. Yeah. Any, any person, if you've never invested in real estate and even don't really have a numbers analytical mind, if 
you have experience in dealing with people, you're probably going to be successful, assuming you buy the right property with managing your short-term rental. That's awesome. And do would you consider yourself an extrovert or an introvert? Introvert, big time. Wow. So that's yeah. huge because you're now you're talking on a bunch of podcasts. You're talking in front of thousands of people. You just came back from event, thousand people and yeah. you're on stage and you weren't really phased by it. <laughs> it doesn't look like you are. So no, how, how do you do it as an introvert? If you're an introvert service industry person that was able to get this amount of success, why can't anybody else? They can. Yeah, they absolutely can. That's yeah. the point I'm trying to make yeah. <laughs> with my entire <laughs> life is if I can do it, like anybody can do it. it you, it's not rocket science. It is just buying a house and renting it. Yeah. So how were you able to talk to people for 12 hours a day as an introvert? It, so I think with introverts, it just talking to people doesn't come as naturally. So it takes a little more energy for us to do that, but also just really, I think confidence in what you're talking about. So I had a lot of expertise and a lot of experience to share with people helps with that a lot. <clears throat> if you're talking to me and I'm the introvert that I am about something that I have no idea about, I'm mean, gonna have a lot less to contribute because I'm like, I don't really know. Don't talk to me about this. <laughs> but when you have a lot to say about something that definitely helps to open up that introvertedness. Yeah, for sure. I think what's really nice is that you get to the point. I think that's <laughs> what I struggle with. And I think that's something that's admirable. Yeah, I'm a, I'm on the opposite end of the spectrum. I'm a super, super extrovert. And so it's just really interesting kind of seeing that dynamic. Yeah, I would probably drive you crazy. But but you don't have that much time. We're limited on time here. We're making sure that, that you don't have to talk to me for hours and hours. It's <laughs> <laughs> not taxing on my personality. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, so introvert, service industry, great benefits of short-term rental investing. You can do it. Why can't anybody else? So what's really kind like how do you feel about now that we're at, kind of after the covid aspect of things do you think short term rentals are still going to be a good investment for the people that didn't buy, buy during covid yeah yeah totally so i like to stick to markets that have a lot of longevity and some people they want to be first to a market they want to go to a market that doesn't have a ton of short term rentals and that's fine but the ones that have been around the longest, like the Smokies, for example, since the 60s or Destin, where I live since the 30s. Those are the areas where the rules are really established. It's become very apparent that the entire market is dependent. The economy of the market is dependent on short-term rentals. There's not a lot of hotel presence. And I like to see that because because if it's if short-term rentals have survived in a market for 50, 60 years so far, they're probably going to keep going, at least while I'm investing. I don't know. Who knows if I'll own them my entire life or get rid of them at some point. I doubt I'll get rid of them. But they're probably not going anywhere for the foreseeable future. I think a lot of people mistakenly look at that as markets that are, quote, saturated. But they're confusing markets that are actually saturated with markets that just have a lot of rentals. So the properties that I owned in 2015 are making over double what they made then when supposedly there were 10 times less rentals in the market than there are now. So I don't think that we've reached saturation point, but I think right. anyway, a lot of people, a lot of people love to say that the markets that get thrown around a lot, like Panama city beach 
Orlando, like all these places are saturated when really there's a reason that there's so many short-term rentals. It's Hmm. the tourism demand is there. So I actually get more concerned about being first to a market because you don't know what that saturation point is. Like a market like the Smokies can take a lot of rentals. Whereas if you're going to invest in like Starkville, Mississippi from where I'm from, there's no rent, there's no short-term rentals. There's no rules about short-term rentals. And there's an SEC football school there, but you don't know how many it will take to saturate. Cause my guess is not that many because there's not that right. many Mississippi state is consistently like one of the worst teams in the sec. And <laughs> there's, yeah, there's a lot of alumni that, that follow it religiously, but there's really only one type of tourist coming in and that's game day, football and baseball games. That's it. And then some like parent days and things. It's markets like that I worry more about where there's not any and you're the first to get there. And then how many does it take? Does it take two short-term rentals to saturate it? Does it take, we don't know. (laughs) So I like to see a lot of history of a market. I'm not talking about rental history, but just longevity and maturity of vacation rentals in the market. Yeah, hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. And sometimes the regulations start coming in later or whatever, and they ban it. And there's just so many things that can happen that's risky as opposed to established market depends on that locally, economically. So definitely can see that. And so what's, do you feel that you have in pot? Cause you mentioned on stage after everything that's been accomplished for you in your life that you feel imposter syndrome. Can you maybe talk a little bit about that? Why do you feel that way? What, what really, where does that stem from? I think it's just, I think everybody has it. And I've just continued to buy properties and continue to buy properties. And so now I have a lot of properties and a lot of experience in it, but still when people are like, Hey, do you want to speak on stage to all these people? I'm like, I'm just a, I'm just some girl. I'm just, I'm not Tony Robbins or Robert Kiyosaki. Like I'm just some chick that bought a bunch of houses and it's what we do. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> to me, it's just, okay. I just bought some houses, but it just feels like not a big deal. Just feels like that's just what we do. And I'm happy to share my experience, but it just feels weird being on a stage and, and things like that. So, yeah, <laughs> I think that might be part of the appeal though, is like that you are just some regular girl. And I think that's the power to it, right? You don't have to be Tony Robbins to make <laughs> lots of money <laughs> and to be happy in your life. And honestly, I don't even know if money's really the thing for you right now. Anyways, like you're right now you're coasting from what I understand. So let's, yeah, like you're just trying to spend more time with your kid, with Mm -hmm. your family. I think that's really important. And so what's the life for Avery right now? How's that panning out? Yeah. Just running the short-term shop. We're opening up in new markets all the time to make sure really that our clients have the best selection of market. So you want to buy in the blue chip market? We've got those. Maybe you're on a little bit of a budget. We've got those. Emerging market, we've got those. So we want to make sure that we're giving our clients the broadest amount of opportunity. So doing that, buying, we're not in super like buy everything mode right now, like we were last year, two years ago. But I think we we're probably about, I would say 50, like a fit one 50 unit or two 25 unit apartment buildings away from being like, okay, our cash flow is where we want it to be. Now let's maybe start looking at paying some things off or what are we going to do here? Not in a crazy heavy growth mode right now, although we are buying deals if they pop up, I would really like to get a short-term rental in the Texas Hill Country because I spent a lot of time there in college. 
Luke's not on board with that because <laughs> he doesn't want to set up a new market, a new market, but I'm working on it and maybe we'll get pick up one or two of those, but no, we're not like property manager. Right now. <laughs> it's like truly you've built, I mean, you've built a lot of people that you've taught the management and they just went out and are doing management companies now, which is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> they are <laughs> me, but yeah. So I think that'd be really interesting to see if maybe somebody would manage it so that Luke doesn't have to do all the work again, <laughs> figuring out the, all the management systems. Yeah, but we love self-managing, so I don't know. <laughs> but we'll see. We'll see. It's just the initial setup that he doesn't want to do. Once it's set yeah. up, it's like smooth sailing. But Smooth sailing. So do you, fi- do you find yourself buying more other than Texas Hill co- Country? Uh, because I'm assuming that you want to build like a specific lifestyle for you and your family now, because you're probably thinking a lot more about family now with the kids and all that, like, what are you thinking lifestyle wise? What do you really need? I don't think you need much <laughs> to, to live every month, right? Yeah, we got our primary home right before everything went really nuts. So we got a really good deal on that. So not a high mortgage at all com- comparatively. And we would probably like to get, I don't know, maybe one lifestyle asset that we would just buy not for cash flow, buy for us. And then we would rent it when we're not there just so it can put a dent in its own expenses because why let it sit there? So, you know, that might be somewhere in Colorado or Wyoming. Luke will get to pick because I got to pick living (laughs) here. So living in Destin is like my lifestyle asset. So he gets to pick the mountain thing because that's his thing. He grew up trout fishing over there. So he gets to pick that one. So I don't know exactly where that'll be, but we'll have something like that at some point. And yeah, we've got pretty much everything we need at the moment. Yeah, That's the goal of real estate investing. <laughs> that's what it is, right? Just the basics. He just wants to go trout fishing in the mountains. That's all he wants yeah. to do. <laughs> so Destin, Florida, you moved to Destin, Florida. Why did you move to Destin, Florida? Was it due to the area that you wanted to live in? Is that just lifestyle? Yeah, we moved during COVID. Luke's Luke is a at nighttime and on the weekends a classic rock DJ on Sirius XM. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, at the time he was full time. He was on 12 hours a day, but they said during COVID, he's always had a studio in the house, but he was going into the office in Nashville a few times a week. During COVID, they said, "Okay, jocks can work from home basically forever for the rest of your lives. You don't ever come have to come into the office again." And so we were like, why do we live in this weird suburb of Nashville then if we don't have business here anymore? We only had the one rental there. And so we had, we looked at all the short-term shop markets that we had at the time of which there were only like four or five. Now we got close to 20 and said, which one do we want to live in? And I wanted to be at the beach. I grew up coming to visit this beach every year, sometimes twice a year. So this is like my favorite place to go. And the, for those of you who've never been to the Emerald coast, like it is the absolute closest you can get to Caribbean water in the continental U S it is really clear and really bright. And it's awesome. Those beaches are awesome. They're like really white and the sand's really soft. And so I wanted to be here. And so we came here and bought something (laughs) and 
So now we're just navigating living in a tourist town, which is not bad. And we get, I can pick up the kids after school and take them to the most beautiful, one of the most beautiful beaches in the country. And it's really awesome. My office is across the street from the beach. I just, I like being at the beach, even though I do not go to the beach like I should. But <laughs> I was going nice to say, are you getting your tan on recently? Or I no. feel like I'm more tan than you are right now. Yeah, I've just been in I Joshua Tree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that makes sense. You've been too yeah. busy. But at least the ambiance of the area is really good. Yeah, um, so I wanted to close this off with the last three questions. Okay. And really just one of them is going to be a special question I ask every guest <laughs> on the fly. I okay. really don't even, I don't even know what that question is right now, but I'll figure it out. But okay. basically, first question is what book would you recommend? And it doesn't have to be a real estate book if you don't want it to be. I'm going to go Traction by Gina Wickman or literally anything by Mike Michalowicz. Yes, that proper first. That was amazing. You, I saw you guys jamming out in the back with on the Bill Faith's conference. Yes. You guys are jamming out. That was iconic. That was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I was like, okay, I guess I better practice guitar a little more often for in case this ever happens again. Because I was like, oh my God, I can't find the high E fast enough. And it just, it was fun though. <laughs> yeah. And also you can plug your book too, because I see it in the back right there. Yes, short-term rental, long-term wealth. I wrote that a few years ago. It came out on Bigger Pockets Publishing, and it's all you need to know about buying and managing short-term rentals. Yeah, it's great. So, next question, we answered part of it, but what does the future look like for Avery? I'm just going to keep cruising. I think the future is here. So, just hanging out with the kids, being the kids' mom's most important thing, hanging out with the family, and we are going on our third month-long motorhome trip in June. Whoa. So we do that every year and just hanging out. Got We've got the portfolio almost where it needs to be. The short-term shops running smoothly. So we're just hanging out. Awesome. Great. So let's, this is my question for you. Okay. If let's say real estate, you never went into real estate, right? You never went into real estate. None of this ever happened. You're in your twenties, you're 25 you got this huge inheritance or you got a lot of money just thrown at you. You could do anything you want in your life. You don't have, there's money doesn't matter. What are you doing at 25 years old, 25, 30 instead of real estate? Cause you have the financial freedom now. Uh, I always wanted to write a book. I didn't know what kind of book until I wrote the one that I did. So I really like writing. So maybe I would have been a writer if I didn't have to worry if I already had a bunch of money, didn't have to work because writers don't get paid anything. Yeah. Uh, maybe I would have done that. You'd have been a writer. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't even know. I thought it was going to be like punk back, punk rock band, like traveling the world, but writing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's fun and all, but it's, I like to go to awesome. bed now. I like to go to bed early. So that, <laughs> yeah. and I started going to bed early, like in my late twenties. So that would have caused some friction. That's funny. Awesome. Yeah. And then where can people find you if they want to get in contact with you? Yep. So you can find me on Instagram. It's at the short term shop or the short term shop.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Avery Carl, for hopping on and sharing everything you know. Appreciate you. And yeah, take care. Thanks, Patrick. And that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to the Patrick Real Estate Show. If you found this episode helpful, please give us a follow and leave us a five-star review. Your support truly means a lot. And connect with Patrick in the show notes below. Until next time.